Well, it's uh, Mother's Day, and I want to talk about fishing. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. You're dead wrong. Because biblically, uh, fishing is, is very much appropriate for today. Because think about God created human beings in His image, male and female in His image. Genesis 1 describes this. And uh, so, male and female in the image of God. And when God makes man and woman, what is the first thing humans are supposed to do? Uh, this is before the fall, before sin, all these things. God makes people in his image and he says, let them do what? Have dominion over fish. It's Genesis 1.26. You can look it up. I'm not kidding you. So fishing is a perfectly good theme for Mother's Day. So is, is that a good enough segue? All right. Plus I'm going fishing today. <laughs> and... Um, which I know is bad form to go on the fishing trip on Mother's Day. And you can judge me for that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I guess. Uh, but actually, the real temptation when, uh, you know, for a preacher, when, when there's something good and exciting after church, that you could become distracted and, and maybe lose focus on the task at hand. I remember uh, my predecessor, a good friend and mentor of mine, Pastor Jack Daniel, many of you knew him, his portrait's hanging right outside the door here. If you've never met him, you can meet his portrait. But um, he'll be here in August, actually. But there was a week he was going on one of these big fishing trips. And all week, I'd see him around the office, and he'd say, Hey, JP, he's talking about his fishing gear. And he's talking about what flies he's going to use. He's talking about the float plane they're going to fly on. He's just going on and on. And I'm thinking, don't you have a sermon to work on? I mean, all he's talking about, I thought the man was going to show up here in waders with his suit coat over it, like no one would notice, because uh, he had one foot in the stream already. But uh, praise God, he knew, uh, and one thing I really love about him is that he, Jesus was always number one, and preaching the word was his primary task, and he just, you know, he stayed laser focused, and it was, it was wonderful. Um, I'm less mature than he is, so I thought, well, if I'm going to go fishing, then maybe I should just preach on fishing, and if I get distracted, I'm getting distracted in the right direction. So uh, here we are. In this passage of scripture, uh, we see the disciples, and we see Peter in particular. Uh, he goes from a man who is fishing for fish uh, to be transformed, to accept a mission from Jesus to fish for people. And there's this major trans transformation, and I think it's pretty safe to say that from his life, from this point on, uh, was radically changed. The whole course of, of Peter's life from this moment on. And for people of faith, the idea of having a life that was transformed from one thing to something, uh, to, to something very different is a powerful part of our faith. And a lot of you sitting here say, yes, I put my faith in Jesus. My life has been transformed. I know what I was, and I have, it's something very different. My whole life, everything, I, my whole perspective, everything I do is different now because of Jesus. Other people may say, you know, even, even if you've been a church-going person, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, you might say, yeah, you know, I, I, I trust God, but I don't know if I'd use that kind of language, you know, my whole life has been radically transformed, and maybe there's something I don't know, missing, or there's a piece I'm not catching here, and, and I, I think if that's you this morning, and really for all of us, there are some keys to life transformation that we see. Because the same transformation that Peter experiences here is the same exact transformation that you need and that I need. And there's some keys to that transformation that I want to point out to you today. I want to point out three 
three keys of that. So, but also to keep in mind that transformation doesn't happen all at once. You know, for Peter, as we track his journey with Jesus, there was ups and downs that followed this account. This certainly puts him on a new trajectory. But there was ups and downs. And for us, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of God's work in our life. But there are some uh, keys that I want to focus on uh, that we might have a, even a pivotal moment even today as we consider God's word. Let's pray. So, Father, we pray that it would be this morning that you would show us what you called Peter to and what you call us to in terms of our faith, in terms of our life terms of trusting you. So we put our trust in you this morning to help us understand your word. We pray that you would be our teacher and that our hearts would be responsive to your word. We give ourselves to you. We give our time to you and it's all yours, Lord. We give you the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But the first key to transformation, understanding a transformed life is, is a step of faith. The first key is a step of faith. Here we have Peter obeying Jesus in a way that wasn't easy. So the setting of this account is, uh, so Jesus is, is out by the lake. He's, he's been doing some ministry and healing and teaching. And he's starting to draw a pretty good crowd. So Peter is a fisherman. He's washing his nets. Jesus gets in Peter's boat. We, I assume Peter doesn't see him get in the boat. And Jesus says, uh, push me out into the water so I can preach. Um, Peter seems, you know, okay with that. Um, so he pushes him out. Now, this is not the first time. It's not that Jesus had never met Peter and just starts standing in this guy's boat saying, hey, can I use your boat? It, it was, it, they, um, we, we read in Luke chapter 4. This is not the first time they met. This is not the first miracle that Peter is going to experience. Jesus had healed Peter's uh, mother-in-law. He had seen Jesus casting out demons and healing people in different ways and teaching so he was somewhat familiar with Jesus. So Jesus plunks in his boat and says, hey, put me out in the water so people can hear me teach. And he starts teaching the word of God to people. Maybe Peter goes back to washing his nets. And then Jesus makes a big request. Jesus finishes his teaching and he tells Peter to take the boat and go fishing out in the deep water. Here's where Peter interjects. This is the wrong time in the wrong place. They've been fishing all night. They're tired. If you're going to fish with nets, fishing at night is the prime time to fish. Now it's broad daylight. This is not the time to go fishing. And we, you know, they've been fishing inshore, near the shore with their nets. And Jesus says, now I want you to go into the deeper water to fish. That's the wrong place. Jesus, we're exhausted. We're already washing our stuff up. Um, wrong place, wrong time. And, and you can almost, in his mind, you can almost see, hey, preacher, if you want to use my fishing boat as a pulpit, that's fine. You want to use my fishing boat as a fishing boat? That's kind of my turf, right? You've got to kind of get to know your, stay in your lane, right? When you're, when you're teaching and when you are healing that you're doing your religious stuff and you're going to preach, that's fine. Um, but, you know, this is the fishing stuff. Actually, that's my, that's kind of my forte. Reminds me of when I hang out. I, I, do, I hang out with the firefighters. I serve as a chaplain for the firefighters. And they give me a helmet, a real fire helmet. And it has a cross on it. And it says chaplain. It's so cool. It's one of the coolest things I own. And, um, but I'm not a firefighter. And I got invited to go to a training. They're doing this uh, extrication training. Where these guys are standing around a Honda. 
and they got the jaws of life, and they're just training how to carve this thing up into a million pieces. And I'm standing, and they said, do you have your helmet? Because it's going to be glass and stuff. I'm like, yeah. I put my helmet on. Like, okay, great. Stand there. And they start carving it up, and I'm like thinking, when do I get to carve up the car with the jaws of life? <laughs> See, that's not my job. I'm the preacher. I'm the one who prays for the guys who, you know, use the hoses and drive the trucks. I don't drive the trucks, use the hoses. I don't get to use the jaws of life. I gotta kind of know my role, just wear the helmet off to the side. I can almost see Peter like, Jesus, you do the preaching thing, I'll do the fishing thing, and we'll, this, will, this will work out great. I know what's best. But somehow, Peter, in some way, he does it. He, he has enough faith to do what Jesus says. And maybe it's not even what we would call faith. Maybe he's just, uh, he has enough respect for Jesus that he takes this little act of obedience, Jesus says to go out, He's tired, he's done, but fine, we'll do it. And he trusts Jesus in a place where he's already, a place where he already feels strong on the fishing, in the, in the realm of fishing. And that's when Peter's faith can really come alive. He had seen the healing, he had seen the, the uh, exorcism, he had seen these things, but, but those were things that Peter wasn't good at. Peter wasn't a healer. Peter wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a Someone who casts out demons. That wasn't Peter's role. So he's fine seeing Jesus and being impressed by Jesus doing these things. But, but he could fish. But he was trusting God where he was strong. And it was that step of faith that allowed Peter to see Jesus' real power. And that's where deep faith was born for Peter. And that's where transformation really begins. And for us too, we can realize God's power. We start trusting him in areas of our life where we already feel strong. It's as if Jesus is saying, look, if you really want to follow me, you've got to trust me in ways where you think that you're the expert. Where you think you know what you're doing. I want you to invite me into those places. Trust me in those places. And then, then you really want to see what we can do. And then, boom. Miraculous catch of fish. The nets start to break. The, the fish are coming in. The other boat has to come. Both boats are starting to sink. And, and this is, for Peter, the moment where it just shatters what he thought was you know, God's realm and his realm. And what was sacred and what was secular. That All the divide gets completely shattered. And Jesus shows that he has dominion over everything, not just of illness and spiritual things, but Jesus has dominion over the fish, just like God intended. And I kind of you know, jokingly say, God makes men and women have dominion over the fish, but that's true. But Adam does not trust God, and Adam and Eve fail in their stewardship of the world. But Jesus is like the new Adam who doesn't fail. And he truly has dominion over fish and the waves and the, and, and, the, and the storms and over all things. And my point is this, Jesus, you will never see Jesus as Lord of all things. You will never truly know him as Lord of your life unless you can see him with ultimate power over all things. The things that you think you already have power over. And this is a key to the transformation. It's a key to understanding his lordship. But this is hard. I mean, just, think about, just think about how we pray to God. We often pray to God for the things that we're not good at and the things that we cannot control. 
Someone is sick and I, I can't heal them, but God can. So I say, God, please heal this person. This is a situation that's totally out of my control. So I say, God, uh, please intervene in this situation that's totally out of my, my control. And all these things that we're not, we can't control and the things that we're not good at, we ask, G, we ask God to show up and do his good work. But then all that other stuff, I, I control that. So God, take care of my sick family members while I'm off taking care of the rest of my life. Because I'm good at it. And I'm strong at these things. And I'll focus on those and you focus on that. And this little partnership will work somehow. And, and yes, God, Jesus is our strength and our weakness. He is our comfort and our sorrow. His, in fact, his strength is made perfect when we feel weak. That, that is so true. But if it stops there, if we just use God for the things we can't do, and then we just rule the rest of our lives, we will never know him as Lord of everything. There's the God stuff, and there's my stuff. We just keep a nice divide between those. And if we relegate our faith to the religious times, to religious places, religious people, this transformation that Jesus intends, we're not going to know it. We need to see Jesus as Lord of all. He's the Lord of my workplace. He's the Lord of the things I've been educated to do. He's the Lord of every thought I have. He's the Lord of everything that I'm good at, everything I'm bad at. He is Lord of all. And if we, especially the things, especially the things we see ourselves self-sufficient in, God wants us to know that he is more, he is greater. He is more sufficient in every realm. And that's why Pete, you could, you know, anybody could go to church for a long time or kind of dabble in faith and keep it relegated to these things and never understand this life transformation when it's all his. And the, the key here is that step of faith. Where Peter says, we've been working all night, that's not how we fish. But he actually, in obedience, put the nets down. That leads to the second key here. is an act of repentance. Step of faith, second key, act of repentance. Now, what would you do if you were part of this miraculous catch of fish? I, I can tell you what I would do. You get the camera, right? So you're, you're, the nets are starting to break. You, you know, everybody's looking, whoa, look at the fish. And the other boat comes out and you get them to the shore and there's fish everywhere. And you were part of the most amazing thing. Get this thing on Instagram. Tag me on Facebook. Get this up. I want the world to know that there was this miracle fishing thing that happened and I was part of it. And I'm just sort of standing in front of the pile of fish. What does Peter do? He fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. His response wasn't to celebrate this wonderful moment. His response was to see his own sinfulness and confess it to Jesus. And we see this throughout Scripture. When people encounter God and they see the power of God in its, in its fullness that it, it doesn't lead them to uh, celebrate. It leads them to repent of sin. The Lord appeared to Job in a storm in, in Job chapter 42. He says this, My ears heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Very famously, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, he, had a, he saw a vision of God and His holiness. And he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 1, he says, Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down. When we see that Jesus is God, when we see that he has power over all things, over life and death and every breath that I breathe, every beat of my heart, every hour that I work at work, every word I say, every thought I think, when you realize that he is present, we drop to our knees and we fall face down and we say, you are holy and great and I am small and sinful. This is a... This is Peter's response, and it is a necessary response when we see who God is. These perspectives, when we see what God is, his, his power, his authority, it just brings about these two shifts. So more and more I see myself increasingly small and sinful and broken, and, and God as holy and perfect and sovereign. As opposed to, Jesus is my friend. No, Jesus is my friend. But if he's just my friend, you know, how, how do we disciple children to know who God is? Do they understand that God is all-powerful and all-in-control? Or is it just kind of a, a helper when you're feeling sad or if you're lonely or, if you, you know, we just kind of give you a little push along the way? Or is he the source of everything? And... The more and more we see him as immense and huge and, and holy in ourselves, not that, everything other. You realize there's a massive chasm in between us and God, and we need a Savior. And the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. The only one who can do it, because he's fully God and fully man, but not sinful and broken like Adam and, and Eve and everybody since then, and you and me, but lives the perfect life. So we can stand in our place as a human and take the penalty as, as God himself, taking it on himself. Taking our sinfulness, uh, giving us his perfection and righteousness accredited to us. And then this chasm has been bridged. But unless we see him huge in ourselves not, then that chasm is small and our God is very small. But when we realize how big it is, we realize how big he is and we worship. And our lives are truly transformed. And it takes repentance, that's the key. Not self-righteousness. Because Peter says, Peter, he, he sees who Jesus is, he confesses his sin, he says, get away from me, Lord. If Jesus had said, okay, I've heard your language when you talk to the other fishermen, not the cleanest thing, I've heard fishermen talk before, I've seen how you're living, um, yeah, I'm going to go away, and then when I come back, I expect, you know, some improvement, I expect to see a little bit of progress here. And then we can talk. No, that's not what Jesus says. Peter says, away from me. And Jesus says, fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? Because of forgiveness. Because yes, there, there is this chasm between me and you, Peter. But my grace is sufficient. And I'm here to provide everything you need that we can be together. And, and the, the more that we understand that, the more that we understand his grace the bigger what he has done has become for us. And that, can, that is a key to transformation. So it takes a step of faith, particularly even in places where I already feel strong. It takes an act of repentance. And lastly, it's about accepting his call. Accepting the call of Jesus. 
When we put our faith in Jesus, when we repent of our sins, we receive his grace, then we realize our mission. We realize that he has taken me from that place for a purpose. And here for Peter, he's saying, look, you, you, you're, you're done fishing for fish. You're going to start fishing for people. I've come to seek and save lost people, and you're going to be part of that with me. That's your new purpose. And the scripture says they left everything to follow Jesus. Which immediately for us begs the question, do I now have to leave my vocation? Do I leave my work to, to follow Jesus? Because that's what Peter did. And so in scripture, we see people of faith do that. But we also see people of faith who exercise faith from a place of work. So people like Daniel or Esther or Joseph, they had roles or jobs as we understand it. Um, and, you know, but, but here Peter has the opportunity to leave it behind. But what happens is a shift in perspective that what was of value to me before is not what's of value to me now. Even if I stay in my place of work, why am I there? Am I at work just to be successful, just to make money, just to, to get the praise of other people? See, my definition of those things are, are shifting if, as I put my faith in Jesus. Now I work and I, I give him the glory because he's gifted me to do these things, but it's not my true identity. My true identity is his child. My true identity is forgiven by God. My true identity is on mission for him every day. Not just my own success, my own business, my own thing. There's a whole new perspective. Pastor Tim Keller in his book, his book called Every Good Endeavor, it's a fantastic book about work and a biblical perspective of work. And he says, if your identity is in your work, which is very easy for people to do, you know, I am a fill in the blank. And I, that's what I do, and that's who I am. If you're very successful in your work, you, and, and that is your identity, you can become very arrogant and proud. On the flip side, if you fail at work and you are not successful, then it is just a crushing weight of failure on you. But on either end of that spectrum, it's not going to be good. But if we can find our true identity in God, then if we're successful or if we fail, we know that there's a greater purpose to our lives. And here, the great purpose is to focus on people, to fish for people, be part of Jesus' mission. Because, for Peter and for us, I realized that I was lost, and I was very lost, but now I've been found. And there's other people, and everywhere you go in your everyday life, there are people who are lost, who need to know the goodness of Jesus, and they can be found. And he wants you to be part of that. For Peter, he left his work. For you, wherever God calls you, those people are there. So we fish for people. How do we do that? We do it like Jesus did it. Again, this isn't, I don't want to make this too formulaic, but you'll notice that in this account, the word of God is present, right? So Jesus in verse 1, he's teaching the word of God. So Peter, um, when, he, when he sees this miracle, it wasn't, in a vacuum. He, he'd already had heard some teaching about who God was. And the word of God is very important because otherwise people's view of God is going to be whatever they want it to be. Well, I think God is like this or like that. But if we root, uh, if, we, if we bring God's word with us, then our view of God is what God has revealed about himself in his word, not just our own ideas about God. So God's word is present. The power of God is present. Again, here's a miracle. But for us, to understand God's power is to remember that it's not about us. It's not about how nice you are, how well you can articulate 
the gospel or how any of those things. It's about his power at work in the world around you. Remember, he's sovereign over all those things. So God's word, God's power. And, and thirdly, the context is an everyday context. This didn't happen at church. Jesus had been at the synagogue, chapter 4. It wasn't at this house party at Peter's family's house. It was at work. Peter's washing his nets. He's, he's tired. He's been working hard. And it was there in that context that faith in Jesus was exercised. This transformation happened there. And that's a great, um, great word for us that, you know, as we live this mission, it happens here in this place. And it happens in our homes, but it happens everywhere we are. So practically, what do we do? Three things. We call it, um, we summarize it, prayer, care, share. Prayer, care, share. We pray for people. We accept this mission and we pray for the people in our lives. And we, we pray that God would bless them and that they, would, uh, that they would see his power, that they would see who he really is, that they would come to a place of faith. We've got little cards, little, um, it's like a bookmark-sized card and, uh, called Pray for Six. That's a resource you can get at the welcome desk. And just, you know, you write the names of people you're praying for. You put it in your Bible, put it on your dashboard, and just remind you to pray for people because we're going to be committed to praying uh, for people in our everyday. So prayer, care, share. So care. There's so many ways we can care for people. People have so many needs, whether it's a physical need, you know, cooking a meal for somebody, or, um, or just being present with them, or just being a listener at work, or, or just, just giving of yourself and your time to care for somebody. Prayer, care, share. And then we share with them. We, we do have opportunities to share our story of faith. Hey, this is how I see these things. This is what God has done for me. Maybe you have an opportunity to share the good news. But maybe to share an invitation. Many people do that too. Hey, you know, would you, would you want to come to church with me some Sunday? Or maybe come to an Alpha course? Come to a group with me? There's, there's all kinds of ways we can prayer. Ways we can pray, care, and share. Prayer, care, share for people. But it takes a step of faith, an act of repentance, and accepting that mission from Jesus. And that will absolutely transform your everyday life. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that this would be a reality for us today. That we would be people who express faith in all aspects of our lives. That we would be people who are quick to repent of our sin. And we praise you, Lord, that you are a God who is quick to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us in every way and call us into your mission that we live out every day. I pray is that as we consider this and as we go from this place, that our hearts would be tuned to what you are leading us to. That we would know your word, that we would see your power, that we would accept this mission. And that you'd be glorified, that we would see people in our everyday come to a, a place of being found by you. And knowing your love and your grace. Bless us as your people. Pray it all for your glory and in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.